theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading from verse 6. And I'm going to preach for maybe the next 35 minutes or so. I'll be sure to time myself, praise God, so I can stay in that time frame or at least know that I'm going over. (laughs) Luke chapter 6, we're going to read beginning at verse 6. I'm reading out of the New King James translation. If you have your Bible or your your Bible app with you, if you, you don't have either, it's okay, you can look at the screen. But if you do have your Bible app, I want you to open it up. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to get that Bible out. I want you to hold it up in the air. This is something that God's been dealing with me about. Uh, I just want you to repeat after me. So open up that Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app, uh, you need to put that on your home screen, on your tablet, on your your phone, whatever you use. Open that up, though, and I just want you to repeat after me. We're going to declare the importance and the power, the potency of the Word of God. Praise God. Does anybody love the Word of God this afternoon? Praise God. Okay, you ready? This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I have. I can have. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, give him praise. Praise God. Now let's look at the word of God. Luke 6 and 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath. You have to understand the the magnitude of the tension that's mounting here. And that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. Jesus knows your thoughts. And said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. He's putting this thing on full display. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he looked around at them all, I mean, can you? (laughs) He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But look at the religious world. They were filled with rage and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. And I want to continue in this vein of the kingdom. If you're with us for the first time or if you've been in and out, I'd encourage you to go to YouTube and check it out. But we've been preaching about the kingdom, and this is going to continue in this vein. But I've titled this message, Stretch Your Faith. Stretch Your Faith. Would you pray with me? Lord, 
Help me to preach and to teach your word with accuracy and relevancy. Today, open our understanding and give us revelation to see in the spirit and not with natural eyes. Let there be a manifestation of your word that is declared and realized during this time of prayer. I pray for a blessing to break open and release over the people of God. A blessing that hits their finances, their minds, their children, their marriages, their jobs, their joy level their peace level and Lord I thank you right now that the inside is getting ready to align with your plans your promises and your purposes and I declare that every weapon that the enemy has crafted is destroyed and broken and will not prosper against the people under the sound of my voice and at this very moment they're going to begin to come out and be delivered and give you the glory and the honor and I believe that what you will set in motion today no enemy or opposition can hinder in the name of Jesus Christ if you believe it say amen hallelujah Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you've got a neighbor near you, if you don't, that's okay. Look at somebody and just tell them, stretch your faith. Stretch your faith. Amen. In 2019, the Lord spoke very clearly to me about uh, what 2020, 2020 would be, and it was the year of the shift. I keep going to that for several reasons, but I tried to wrap my mind all around what that meant to me and what I felt like that meant to those that were a part of Extraordinary Church. And I frankly barely scratched the surface in my understanding and knowing what the word shift meant and what it meant in the spirit. How many of you know when God speaks a word to you, the depth of that word, the width of that word, and the breadth of that word continues to unfold perhaps in ways that you never anticipated? It was then in, in 2020 where the Lord spoke to me and informed me that 2021 would be the year of alignment. I'm thankful because kingdom alignment is what we're here for in this day and age. Amen. It is about the kingdom coming and his will being done. I want to be in alignment with what God has for me in this season. I want to be in alignment with the kingdom. Can somebody say amen? I remember one evening when I was laying in bed, the Lord asked me a question, and I've shared this with you all, but he said, what precedes alignment? I was a bit delayed in my response because I was trying to get it right. I was like, Lord, you, you know, in school, I didn't do well with pop quizzes. I said, you're going to have to help me out. And I think he, he, he clearly he, he knew that. And before a moment or two had transpired, he responded, a shift. A shift is what precedes an alignment. Praise God. I'm telling you, God is shifting some things and he's getting us into alignment. And not too terribly long ago, about a month, month and a half ago, I felt like God began to already deal with me about the next season Extraordinary Church was going to get into. We offer leadership labs here at Extraordinary Church and they're digital spaces for spiritual, individual, and organizational leadership. And many of you have been invited to be a part of these. And in our most recent one, I felt like the Lord did two things on that day. 
One, I felt like a blessing was pronounced upon extraordinary church that has shifted the atmosphere. I feel like I've been walking in it ever since. God is tugging on me. The, the second thing, though, I felt like is God wants to do something. I'm going to get here in a moment, but I want you to know God wants to do something in this house today. The second thing I felt, though, is that the Lord spoke very clearly to me and said, the next season for Extraordinary Church is one of stretching. See, I know God wants to do something, and I believe he is doing something. And I don't believe that today is going to be another sermon or just another message. As a matter of fact, what I really want to do is declare a blessing over you and your family. God wants to release a generational blessing in your life today. Praise God. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel like restoration is in the house today. I feel like, oh my God, if you could just for a moment get your faith around this and realize that this word is for you and you seize the promise of God today and stretch and lean into what God has for you, you're going to get it in Jesus' name. God said, stretch. And I want to preach about stretching today. Because if you have the faith to believe it, God is going to heal the withered, dried up, paralyzed parts of your life that have been hindered and not growing. See, I feel like God wants to break some things off of some families in this room. And restoration is not only coming to some houses, but it's coming to some homes today. If you haven't already, you need to stretch your posture. Stretch your posture by giving him praise. Stretch your posture by giving him worship. Stretch your posture by praying and leaning in. Stretch your posture by responding to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Stretch your posture by engaging and getting what God has for you this afternoon praise God stretch 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 is the key stretch is the key and see the gospels are the account of the birth the life the ministry the death and the resurrection and the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ and there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The three of these four Gospels, we consider them to be synoptic Gospels. That is that they carry the same tone. They carry the same tenor and flow. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic. However, John is not a synoptic Gospel. As a matter of fact, according to John, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is concerned primarily with the deity and the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why John opens up with the same words in the beginning of Scripture, in the beginning. But yet Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell from the birth to resurrection, and they follow a compatible timeline. If you look in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see a handful of miracles that occurred in all three Gospels. Each writer takes their liberty under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to include certain accounts, certain parts of Jesus' ministry. So you get some accounts in Mark that you wouldn't get in Matthew, and you get some in Matthew and in Mark that you wouldn't get in Luke. But what you do need to understand, there are a handful of occasions where you get all three on the same page and we find that to be the case here in the account of the man with the withered hand see this 
situation, the dude with the withered hand, is unique and dynamic in an account because not only does it find itself in all three of these gospels, these synoptic gospels, it's there intentionally because Jesus is trying to show us something very significant. I, I don't want you to miss this. I had this thought and it just really came to me even more clearly after I got finished watching that episode of The Chosen, praise God. And if you haven't seen it, I want to encourage you again to watch The Chosen. It's a fabulous TV series on the life of Jesus Christ, and it's been the most accurate and engaging one that I have seen to date. What happens is the writers of the Gospels are trying to show us something very important. And when you get one account in all three of the synoptic Gospels, it has intentionality and deep meaning. And this is one of those such biblical accounts. And I believe the reason why it's located in all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is because it has to do with the Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. And as you will understand, as this account unfolds before you and I today, the Sabbath, Jesus, and the religious leaders are on track for a vicious collision. <laughs> as a matter of fact, it's a very tenuous point. The, uh, the tension is so palpable that as you can see in the text when I read it to you earlier, they asked him the question, pondering in their mind to see how he would respond. And after he healed this individual, their response, talking about the religious world, was nothing but execution. This caused Jesus great conflict with the religious leaders of the day. He's going into the synagogues intentionally on the Sabbath. <laughs> Not just to do something, but to make a point. Not just to make a subtle point, but in this case, make a profound point. He goes into the Sabbath on the synagogue, and the Bible is clear here in Luke's gospel, which is also, if you study this, Matthew 12 and Mark 3, you'll see it in those other gospels. But he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath, not just to heal the man, but to make a point. And hear me, hear me. What he's trying to do, EC fam, is he's trying to shape and change the culture in this place of worship. Jesus is literally trying to shift the atmosphere in the synagogue. <laughs> now, most theologians, and I don't consider myself to be one. Matter of fact, I didn't even go to seminary. I went and studied business administration, but God called me nonetheless, praise God. But I do believe theologians have nailed this account here when they say that this synagogue in Capernaum uh, listen, is intentional because it's the same synagogue, if you remember, where Jesus walked in. He just comes out of the wilderness. He walks in and he heals the demoniac right there and he sets the man free. Jesus is back in that exact same synagogue. He also, a moment prior after he delivered that man, you'll remember, he read from the book of Isaiah in Luke 4. He said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is that same synagogue. So I want you to understand that this man with the withered hand could have very likely been there. When Jesus delivered that demoniac a few moments earlier. And, and here, 
I believe this man could have been in there. But one thing I want you to understand is that Jesus is willing to come back to the synagogue. Even after he has delivered somebody and continues to do a work in that exact same synagogue that would shift and continually more appropriately align the atmosphere with heaven on earth. Whew. Okay, praise God. I'm hard getting my, I could run all over this place today. Y'all gonna have to help me today, Jesus. There's something about this synagogue, the atmosphere of this synagogue. There's something so pervasive about this synagogue that Jesus doesn't just deliver uh, and show up one time. He comes back repeatedly, time after time, uh, and he keeps teaching and he keeps preaching and he keeps training because here's how you address a stronghold. If there is a stronghold in an atmosphere, and in this case, a synagogue, it has the propensity and the capabilities of keeping people in bondage. And if you are going to break through and have deliverance, and hear me, have a sustained victory in place, it takes more than one breakthrough. It takes time after time to go back to the atmosphere and address the stronghold in the spirit and let it know you stayed here long enough, but you are not permitted to stay here any longer. The atmosphere is shifting and things are changing in this day. That's why I preached about it last week. The importance of unity because strife is not welcomed here the atmosphere will not promote it or permit it we are teaching and preaching to uproot those things that would try to hinder a move of God in this season that's why the atmosphere is changing you might feel it but this is an atmosphere of miracles this is an atmosphere of signs this is an atmosphere of wonders Whew. Somebody lift your hands to heaven. The atmosphere is shifting. Praise God. I said the atmosphere is shifting. Don't you feel it? My God, I feel the spirit tugging on us. I said the atmosphere is shifting. Whew. This is why if you grew up in church, I did not, but I've been in church now long enough, almost 26 years. It's easy for me to count that because today's my birthday. Praise God. Get Praise God. I told my man Luch, I said, 45. Praise God. He was like, ain't nothing. Praise God. I feel you. Praise God. Hopefully I get there one day where I can say that. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't nothing. But maybe you, you've been to a church service before and you've, uh, you all have been there. I, I, I've been there where you, you have a mighty move of God. You feel victory. You feel breakthrough. You feel healing and joy. And then come back to the same church. In some cases, the same day. And don't feel that victory. Don't feel that breakthrough. Don't feel that joy in the atmosphere. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. Because there are principalities that feel entitled to keep a place in bondage. And they will keep a place in bondage unless somebody keeps coming back with teaching and preaching and a word of revelation that continually tells the enemy, you will not have this atmosphere. You will not have these people. 
They will not sit in your religious garbage and die in your religious bondage. That's why we preach the kingdom of heaven until everybody's mind gets aligned with the truth and we start getting up out of wheelchairs and cancers start falling off and we start walking in the power of God. We are going to preach the kingdom of heaven until what happens in heaven is happening on earth. We are going to preach the kingdom of heaven until what's going on in heaven is going on in the earth. We're going to speak to the atmosphere. My God, I want to speak to the atmosphere. You need to speak to the atmosphere of your home. You need to speak to the atmosphere on your job. God is with you and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You got to speak to the atmosphere. Praise God. It's our problem. He comes to the church or the synagogue on the Sabbath. And this guy has been there many times. He's probably not expecting to be healed. Why doesn't he expect to be healed? Because religion told him today is not the day. Religion said you can't get healed on the Sabbath. See, that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees said. We got rules. You don't know our rules, Jesus. And you're going to abide by our rules. See, rules keep you from doing that kind of ministry on the Sabbath. I'm going to get in trouble. Help me, Jesus. See, the leaders of the synagogue have become so rule-oriented. Jesus. Side note, there's nothing wrong with tradition. But if you're not careful, you will elevate your traditions and it will make the word of God of no effect. That's Bible. That's not me. See, if you're not careful, there's nothing wrong with tradition. But if you're not careful, you'll become traditional, which will lead to traditionalism. And you will find yourself bound by traditionalism. That's why some churches can't get breakthrough and victory and it's not sustained. Praise God. But you want to know why there's a flow of the Holy Ghost at Extraordinary Church? Because we're not bound by religion. Religion isn't changing anybody's life. Religion has no authority here. The flow of the Spirit of God is in full effect because we have liberty and joy. There is not a lip. Oh my God. I'm trying not to preach this thing. I'm trying to come down but I want you to know your victory can be sustained your victory can be sustained and it's not because you didn't have good church but it's because you didn't bring something into the atmosphere to address that principality of religion that people have established that keeps people back see that demon will have authority as long as you allow it to stay But here at Extraordinary Church, it cannot keep people in bondage. We're getting ready to walk in freedom. And I'm going to just tell you right now, Dolly, there is no bondage like religious bondage. There's all kinds of bondage. Come on, Extraordinary Church. But there is nothing as bad as religious bondage. You get somebody who's bound by religion and they think they're right. You ever met somebody under a religious spirit who thinks they know it all? 
and you try to tell them the truth and they won't hear any of it because they know it all. Oh my God. Some of us in this room, some of you watching online, got to get an understanding that just because the way you did it doesn't mean that's the way it only can be done. Just because you grew up that way doesn't mean that that's the only way to grow up and do it. Some of us, the greatest blessing we have and don't realize, I'm, I'm thankful. The greatest blessing I have, I know I didn't grow up in church, but I feel like, you know what? God just insulated me from a bunch of foolishness. People were trying to put dumb stuff on me. And you know what? I was just like, I was like, that ain't right. That, 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 that. I didn't have time for any of that. Praise God. Hear me. I am not talking because right now, you know, just preaching on this. You feel that cold wind blow in? <laughs> you felt it, Pastor Barry. It wasn't the AC, was it? Boy, people start getting tight. They start getting tight. What you talking about, Pastor? I'm not talking about changing the Word of God. The Word of God is immutable. It is the infallible Word of God. However, I am not married to a method. I am married to the message. I will always preach this message. Like I said, in some cases, it'll bring me in favor with people. And in some cases, it'll take me out of favor with people. But either way, Jesus is my king. So, this synagogue is not just under religious attack. It's under spiritual attack. It's under a religious assignment. And hear me, religion is complicit with the plan of the enemy to keep you in bondage. Religion won't take your joy. It'll just make it hard to get it back. Religion won't take your peace. It'll just create an atmosphere that makes it hard for you to get it back. Religion won't put your kids in hell. It'll just make it hard for your kids to come out of darkness and come back to him. Side note, I told my wife this. And she... She was talking about somebody she had spoken to recently. I said, most of our children that are not in church this morning, this afternoon, didn't quit God. They quit the church because they were tired of this mess. They didn't quit God. They just quit the mess going on in the church. And I, call, I came today to tell somebody, God is about to break out in this house and the sons and the daughters that got hurt in the past are about to find out that God is good all the time. You're about to find out that there is a church that is biblically authentic. You're about to find out there's a church that isn't afraid to love. There's a church that isn't afraid to say, I've made a mistake, but if it had not been for the grace of God, you're about to find out a church that'll say Calvary is greater than any mistake you will have ever made. You want to know why some of our kids today are tired of church? You make them go through your dog and pony show. All your rituals and rules. Help us, Jesus. All your red tape. People condemning each other. People gossiping about one another. And you want to know why people are tired of church. <sighs> Let me just go ahead and fix something right now. It's my birthday, so I'm feeling myself. 
I know there are people who come to this church who don't have all their ducks in a row. There are people who sit in this church every Sunday who are struggling with sins. There are people in this church every single Sunday who are even struggling with sins that you think ought to bust hell wide open. But you keep your mouth off them. Just because they haven't become what they're going to be doesn't mean you have the right to bury them in hopelessness and shove them out the house of the Lord. You better sit yourself down and let the grace of God work in the hearts of people who don't know what it's like to yet walk in freedom because where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. And just because you've arrived, it doesn't give you the authority to put people down. You ought to have enough love and a love grace and mercy to consider yourself get down on your knees and pick them up so that they can walk in the grace of God so they can walk in the joy of God so they can walk in the peace of God and they can experience his deliverance so this synagogue People are supposed to go there to receive prayer and receive the word, Pastor Barry. But the atmosphere is locked up. Because when you don't have authority in the room, religious principalities will come up and set up the atmosphere. Jesus says, I'm going back. I'm going back. Watch this. He decides to teach. His solution for this atmosphere and religious yoke of bondage is to teach the word of God. You will never sustain a breakthrough until you change the way people, uh, the way that people in that atmosphere are thinking. As a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is he or she. See, glory and victory and joy can invade the room. But if you don't change your stinking thinking, the glory and the victory and the joy cannot be sustained. And you can actually taste the goodness of God, but forget about it and walk back into the mess. This is, it's funny. You can leave an amazing a worship experience and within hours, forget all about it. You could be at home and be like, what? Oh, he's fine. Daniel, he's got an excellent spirit. Let him, that's the signs of life. Praise God. I need to hear more of it. He feel right at home. Praise God. That's what I love. So you, you know what? But man, you can get home right now and dinner. Some of you, I've done it. My mama called me. What did you preach? Oh, Lord, Jesus, what did I preach? <laughs> mama, I don't know. Let me go on YouTube. What? We've all been there and done it. We've all been there and done it. But teaching is what will help you sustain the glory, sustain the victory, sustain the joy when it's poured out. See, we experience his glory, his victory, his joy, but we lose the sustained part of it because we have no truth that helps us reinforce the encounter we just had. So Jesus says, I'm not just going to deliver somebody. I'm not just going to heal somebody. Before I do that, I'm going to lay a foundation. So that when this man gets healed, these religious leaders, hear me, can't talk him out of what I'm getting ready to do in his life. You want to know? Here's how Jesus shifted the atmosphere, teaching. 
the truth of the kingdom. <laughs> Praise God. You see this? I, I, I wish you could just let this get in your spirit if you give me about 20. Oh, no, I did it again. <sighs> I forgot to hit my timer. Why am I forgetting to hit my timer? <sighs> it's my birthday. So I'm going to preach for 45 minutes, the kingdom, till, you, till we understand the kingdom and the kingdom is manifest in our lives because the king, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to stretch into the kingdom and see miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm ready to see people healed and delivered and restored. So he's teaching. This is why we all need good teaching. Somebody say teaching. You need good teaching. I'm nobody, but we have a good pastoral staff. And matter of fact, we got a great pastoral staff. We've got great ministers at Extraordinary Church. You need to make Wednesdays at 7.30 a priority so that you can get good teaching. Make the house of God a priority so that you can get good teaching and it will sustain the victory. It will sustain the joy. It will sustain the glory that you experience. But if you say, oh, no, pastor, that's fine. I'm going to catch it on demand. No, you won't. You better catch this now because if you ever get this word down in you, when the devil comes and tries to steal the promise of God in your life, you will have enough word in you that will rise up and declare, it is written. Get behind me, Satan. It is written. Jesus taught and we need good teaching. We need to get back to memorizing the Word of God. We need to get back to memorizing the Holy Writ, the Scriptures. So, let me hurry up. Jesus teaches, and while he's teaching, Luke gives a detail that is not found in the other two synoptic Gospels. This story is told in all three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but only Luke denotes that it was the right hand. Now, you must understand that Luke would be the one to recognize the particular hand that is under attack because Luke himself is a physician. As a matter of fact, if you study it out, uh, Luke is responsible for one-third of the New Testament, just like Paul. Even though he only wrote two books in the, in the Scripture, Luke, the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke, and the book of Acts, but those two books alone in length are enough to constitute one-third of the New Testament. Luke, like any other good physician, is concerned with the details of the situation. So Luke doesn't just say that it is a hand withering, but that it is the right hand that's withering. When Luke says that the right hand was withered, it literally means in the Greek that the hand had lost its circulation of blood and of water and of nutrients, the muscle and the skin, and every part of that hand to begin to deteriorate almost to where it looked petrified. This principle, you have to understand, is especially true when the Bible speaks of the right hand of God. Most humans are right-handed. And in most cultures, the right hand signifies strength, skill, and dexterity. 
The very word dexterity comes from the Latin word dexter, meaning on the right side. See, in ancient times, the, the most honored guest was seated on the right hand of the host. As a result, in Hebrew and in Greek and in English, the right hand is a metaphor for power and honor. The Bible uses this metaphor repeatedly with reference to humans as well as God. Of course, in some passages, the Bible uses the right or the right hand in its locational meaning in contrast to left or left hand. But many times, the use of the right hand is figurative. See, God doesn't have a physical right hand apart from the incarnation, God in the flesh in Jesus Christ, and is not confined to a physical location. We know he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But when the Bible speaks of his right hand, it's speaking of it figuratively or metaphorically. See, a study of the right hand passages in the Bible reveals that the right hand of God represents his almighty power. His omnipotence, particularly in bestowing salvation, deliverance, victory, and preservation. Praise God. I have more scriptures here than I do time. Praise God. So, in scripture, what I want you to understand. Oh, Lord, this is so good. <laughs> I'm going to just give you one of them. I, I, I got to read some of this. Isaiah 48, 13. My right hand has spanned the heavens. Okay, listen to this. I'll give you another out of Exodus 15, 6 and 12. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed the enemy in pieces. Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Psalm 98, Psalm verse 1. Thy right hand shall save me. Psalm 138 and 7. I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. So see, in scripture, the right hand also signifies the position of honor, the blessing and preeminence. At thy right hand, Psalm 16 and 11. Our pleasures forevermore. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. You might even remember Jesus said when, when the mother of the two disciples, their names escape me right now. I think it was the sons of thunder. They said, hey, can we, uh, could you let my son sit on your right and on your left? And he looked back at him and said, you don't even know what you ask. He said, you don't even know what you asked because later when he begins to explain it on the right hand, those folks are going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But on the left, those are going to be separated from the sheep. Those the goats and they're going to be cast into the everlasting lake of fire. He said, you don't even know what you're asking. And when the Bible said that the right hand was withered, hear me, it's a sign that his authority was drying up. Some of you have lost your authority. You just take whatever the devil gives you. You just take whatever comes down the pike. You just take whatever comes to your house, knocks on your door, and you have the unmitigated goal to open the door, let the enemy in, and he walks through your kitchen, walks through your living room, walks through your bedroom, and walks right out the back door because you have allowed your authority. 
to be calcified. But I feel like today God sent me on an assignment to tell somebody who feels like their authority is dried up. There's coming a restoration of power. There's coming a restoration of authority. God is saying you're no longer going to get run over. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm telling you, you're going to get your authority back. You've been run over too many days. You've been taken advantage of one too many days. And the devil has tried to steal your joy one too many times. And in the name of Jesus Christ, somebody's not only going to get their fight back, but you're going to get your authority back. The atmosphere in your marriage is going to change. The atmosphere with your children is going to change. The atmosphere on your purpose is going to change. The atmosphere is shifting. Somebody give them praise. My God, is it just me that feels this? I'm telling you, you need to stretch. You need to stretch. You need to stretch. religious leaders see they didn't want their religiosity to be usurped and disrupted I'm telling your religion go to Luke chapter 13 I'm gonna show it to you real quick I want you to see this because this is exactly what happened Jesus is healing on the Sabbath just like in the text we read he said well what's more important you, you, he even said you're gonna leave your if your donkey or your ox falls in the ditch on the Sabbath, you're going to leave it there? Look at what, look, but look at what they say to him. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. <laughs> and behold, see, this is why you have to understand. Jesus looked right at them because they were so angry. He said, do you know who you're talking to? He said, behold, the one that's standing in front of you is greater than Jonah. He said, the one that's standing in front of you is greater than the temple. The one that's standing in front of you is greater than Solomon and all of his arrayed splendor. And so look, check this out. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. We're talking about obvious ailment, obvious dysfunction, obvious brokenness obvious pain and I want you to notice the response of the religious leaders because they're not even worried about this woman who has been plagued for 18 years and can't even sit up straight don't tell me that religion is good look at what he does verse 13 oh excuse me 12 you got it you got it go back but when Jesus saw her he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Now watch this. And he said, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. <laughs> now watch what the religious world does. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. 
And he said to the crowd, there are six days which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on one of them and not on the Sabbath. <laughs> Can you imagine? Do what you want to do, God. Just not on the Sabbath. I got news for the spirit realm. He's Lord of the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, not only is he Lord of the Sabbath, he is the Sabbath. He is your rest. He is your peace. He is your hope. You want to get some rest and sleep well? You get a hold of Jesus and you let Jesus get a hold of you because he'll keep you. He'll keep you better than Prozac will keep you. He'll keep you better than I'm, I'm telling you. He is a keeper. So, Jordan, I need you to help me out. Uh, praise God. And I need you to move a little quickly. I'm sorry. I, 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 I was delayed in my, praise God. So, listen. So, we understand. That's one reason for the hand. Your authority is being restored. Okay? Praise God. The second thing that's important, though, is dexterity. Dexterity. See, if I only had my left hand, I could not handle, just, you can put them down. Just put one in my hand. Just put one of these in my left hand. Thank you. I could not handle. Stick around for me, bro. Praise God. Praise God. Sorry about that. If I had this, I could, I could not. I can handle this gift. I can handle this gift. By the way, this is not a birthday present. Praise God. I'm going to prophesy to that thing. No, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Praise God. Just, no, I just... I had, this, I had this idea early this morning. I said, Sarah, let's get some boxes. Ain't there nothing in this, praise God, unless Andrea and Royanne did a miracle. But uh, I can handle this. If somebody wants to put a blessing in your hand, you know, without one hand, you just have your left, you can handle one. But what do you do when God wants to give you both? Grab the second one for me. See, you're not going to be able you're not going to be able to carry what God wants to do in one hand. I wish y'all could get this. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is you're getting ready to walk into a season where you're going to need both hands. I'm telling you, God is trying to get you to understand what he's getting ready to do in your life. You're not going to be able to pick up with just the left hand. You're going to need both hands. Both hands to be able to contain what God wants to do in your life. I'm telling you, you need to be ready to receive the gifts. And if you'll just stretch, if you'll just stretch, you'll be able to receive what God wants to do in your life. Somebody stretch and give him praise. You know another reason? You know, you can begin to play. You know another reason why you need both hands? Because God wants you operating at maximum efficiency. I'm in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
there is a shoo. There is something happening in this atmosphere. I'm telling you, for those of you all that are receiving this word, your capacity is being stretched. I feel a prophetic utterance on my lips. We are standing at the precipice of the Jordan River. I said this before, but I say this in fear and reverence. Those that are willing to walk forward in faith, your capacity will be stretched and you will walk in conquest and in dominion. I love the rest of you, but those that choose to remain, you will wander. And if you're not careful, your generations will wander. I'm telling you right now, you better stretch. You better determine I'm not going to take something old into this new season that God has for me. You better stretch your faith and say, I can have it. I can get it. I will get it. I will have what God has for me. I will not sit here. I'm telling you right now, there are generational curses that are about to be broken if you'll just stretch your faith I'm telling you not only alcoholism I'm telling you oh my God the Holy Ghost is trying to get us to stretch the Holy Ghost is stretching us next thing about this hand it's a hand of blessing see when the right hand is withered up not only is it a sign of authority not only is it a sign of not being able to accept the gift but the right hand is also the hand of blessing and when you get, you need to hear this, when you get an authority and can appropriately handle the blessings, then you can bless others. <laughs> Jacob is getting ready to bless Joseph's two sons, talking about Israel. Joseph wanted him to put his right hand upon Manasseh, the older son, to signify that he would have preeminence. Joseph insisted, this is my firstborn, put thy right hand upon his head. Jacob refused. And in a reversal of normal procedure saying, truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he. In other words, Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> if I told you, they're getting ready to give us this campus. Some of you would say, that's a stretch. If I told you, you're about to get a job you weren't qualified for, some of you would say, that's a stretch. Oh my God. If I told you we're getting ready to take over in this city 
and we're going to have campuses not only in Mississauga, but in Oakville and in Brampton and in Etobicoke and in Toronto and in Milton and in Hamilton and in Oakville and in Brantford and in Barrie and in Vaughan and in Scarborough. You'd look back and say, that's a stretch. If I told you God was able to heal you of your cancer, I'm trying, and the doctors told you it's too late, I'm telling you might look back at me and say, that's a stretch, but I think you're, I'm trying to get you to understand, now is the time to stretch your faith. Everybody's standing all over this house. Is my son in this place? Is Lincoln in here? Praise God. He's not? Marcus, do me a favor. Run and get him. I don't want him to miss this. Praise God. Babe, I want you to come up here. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel glory in this place. I feel victory in this place. Watch this. What we're about to do, I told you at the beginning. We're going to release blessing. Let me tell you why. God's been doing something in my life. And he's connected me to some elders. I'm not going to name drop, but one of them I just recently connected to even texted me this morning. I didn't even tell you that yet because I feel the connection. I feel like as I've gotten in kingdom alignment, I'm operating in a different authority. Son, I want you to come on up here and join us, baby. Just come on. You can leave your hat on. That don't make me no difference. You can put it on. I don't care. Praise God. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Praise God. Uh, there's something happening when you stretch. And what's fixing to happen as the authority, as we're walking in alignment. See, kingdom alignment is important because I'm an ambassador of the king. I don't come in my own authority. I come in the authority of the king. And my king was an elected king. He wasn't voted king. You can't get him out. He doesn't have an end of the term. He is the king of kings. He's the beginning and the end. I come in his authority. When you get in kingdom alignment, when you get in kingdom alignment, and you're stretching your right hand is beginning to be healed and the efficiency let me tell you why the efficiency is important because this is the 11th hour and we're getting ready to do a work that's going to require both hands both hands now this is important when you get this we're about to pronounce a blessing. So here's what I'm going to do. If your family's here, praise God. 
dads, you may have never done this before, but you're about to take your place. And he's fine. He can't, they ain't nothing but some $4.99 glasses. Praise God. He ain't dime a dozen. He can put them on. Praise God. I love him. I'm going to give them to him. Give them to him. Seriously, let him take them. He can have them. Praise God. Here's what I want you to understand. The blessing. Dads, I want you to get ready to lay hands on your family. Now, if you're a single adult, you're going to lay hands on yourself. Praise God. If you're a single mom, you're going to lay hands on the... If your kids ain't here, you're just going gonna to speak it over them in Jesus' name. If you're by yourself, you're going to lay hands on your own head. In the name of Jesus. I want you to posture yourself to stretch. Come on. If, you're, if your child is here, you might be 80 years old. And they, might be, they might be 55. You better get ready to lay hands on them. This blessing is about to be pronounced. <laughs> Don't miss this blessing. Now here's what I want you to do. Don't just touch them on the show. You're going to lay hands on their head. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.